0: Well, good morning, once again. You just came in. My name is Alvin, and I serve as the pastor of Crossroads Church. And uh, I am with my family. My wife's name is Diane. My son is Pascual, and my mother-in-law is Mercy. So uh, we're all from Dubai. It's a joy to drive here and enjoy the mountain rock formations. Uh, my, my son is taking a lot of photos of that, because rarely you get to see those in Dubai and it's always a joy to drive here and serve you all by sharing God's word to you this morning. Uh, We at Crossroads regularly pray for Emmanuel Church and for your pastor, Pastor Jesse, and also for Brother Ben, and for all of you in our corporate prayers. Know that you are well prayed and loved at Crossroads, and please do, experience the worship with us. We invite you to come, Uh, we meet on a Friday nights, we are one of those churches that meets on Friday nights at 8 p.m. So please do visit us. One of the most favorite Bible stories of me growing up was Noah's Ark. We always see a lot of these children's book stories that sometimes that is designed like the way that it, the books were designed, uh, children's book design is that there's this big ark. And from there, animals' heads popping out and smiling, you know, like Noah, Noah's Ark and the Bible stories. And it, it, it portrays a picture of happy animals joined Noah and his family in this big boat floating on a flood. But this is, friends, far from the truth of the Bible story. Uh, this is a very dark story. As a matter of fact it's a story of God's judgment that we will be looking at in a few minutes but it's also a picture of God's mercy and grace That precursors like Pastor Jesse said the greater judgment and the greater salvation that is to come in Genesis chapter 1 we see God's glorious perfect work in creation completed in six days and on the seventh he rested in this perfect world we see a perfect marriage between a man and a woman where this couple enjoys this perfect fellowship with a perfect God in Genesis chapter 2 but this perfect fellowship was short-lived Because in Genesis chapter 3, imperfection entered the garden because of sin. Sin badly affected man and all of God's creation. Man was terminated in the garden of delight. And if you go to Genesis chapter 4, man's sin turned from bad to worse. And was embodied by Cain, who was a murderer. And, and, and followed by his polygamous and violent descendant named Lamech. And then in the beginning of chapter 5, the most repeated word that you would read in, in this uh, chapter are the words, And he died. And he died. And he died. Giving this genealogy of list of Adam and his descendants, and all of them died. Thus, the wages of sin is death. But we see a glimmer of hope in the middle of chapter 5. Because here we are introduced to Noah. Noah was introduced as the godly line of Seth. And all the way to Noah. Now in chapter 6, God called Noah and revealed his plan to judge the world... And to save his family by creating an ark. Noah obeyed the Lord, built an ark, and waited in faith. We saw God's patience in man's rebellion, but now, in the next chapters that we're going to study, we are going to see God's patience run out towards this wicked and violent and rebellious people. God in his holiness will exercise judgment, but will also we will also see that God extends mercy to his covenant people. My prayer for us this morning, as we look at this passage, that we would see the sorrow that sin produces. God's righteous judgment judgment towards sinners and the hope that God provides when he extends his patience mercy and grace God's God's wrath is against all sinners but he remembers and acts on behalf of his people God's wrath is against all sinners but he remembers and acts on behalf of his people we have divided these chapters into three and three headings. Number one, for those of you who are writing notes. Number one, God's righteous anger against sinners, chapter seven. Number two, God remembers His people, chapter eight, verses one to nineteen. And number three, God reassures His covenant, chapter eight twenty. Till chapter 9 verse 29 we will be looking at God's judgment mercy and grace number one God's righteous anger against sinners in chapter 7 verses 1 to 9 God commanded Noah his family and all the animals in pairs both clean and unclean animals to enter the ark Because in chapter 7, I'm sorry, because in 7 days, he will cause it to rain. Of course, during that time, it never rained. So just imagine Noah declaring this news to the people, it will rain. They have no idea what rain is, but it never rained. Let's look at verses 10 to 14. Seven days later the flood waters came on the earth in the six hundred year of Noah's life in the second month on the seventh day of the month, on that day all the sources of the vast watery depths burst open. The floodgates of the skies were open, and the rain fell on the earth forty days and forty nights. Verse thirteen on that same day Noah and his three sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth entered the ark along with Noah's wife and his three sons' wives. They enter it with all the wildlife according to their kinds, all livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the earth according to their kinds, every flying creature, all the birds, and every winged creature according to their kinds. Friends, the Noah's ark story is not an amusing children's story but a terrifying one ever since the fall of adam and eve and sin and death death was everywhere death was everywhere there are view, now there are views uh, out there that say that the flood in genesis chapter 7 is not a global flood but a local flood flood now uh, i don't want here to disclose a lot of these views but there are there's a problem with that view Because clearly in Genesis chapter 17, verse 19 to 23, the author repeatedly mentioned the words increased, prevailed, and all. This means that the flood covered the mountains and the valleys and the hills. And and it spread throughout the world. The water greatly increased and lifted up the ark itself. So look at verses 17 to 22. The flood continued for 40 days on the earth. The water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The water surged and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. Then the water surged even higher on the earth, and all the high mountains under the whole sky were covered. The mountains were covered as the water surged above them more than 20 feet. Verse 21, every creature perished, those that crawl on the earth, birds, livestock, wildlife, and those that swarm on the earth, as well as all mankind. Everything with the breath of the spirit of life in its nostrils, everything on dry land died. Now, if the flood was localized and not global, kind of think a bit, why would God... Send Noah and his family and the animals on higher... He should have sent his family on higher ground. So if, if this is just in one area or one local. But God knew that He would judge the world, the whole world. That's why He created a provision for them to be saved from this judgment. Peter affirms this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 6, where our sister read earlier that the whole world was submerged under underwater at the time the, during the time of Noah. The flood was not localized flood, but a worldwide one. It says in verse 5 to 6, They deliberately overlooked this by the word of God that heaven came into being long ago, and the earth was brought about from water and through water. Though these, the world of that time, perished when it was flooded. Just imagine how Noah and his family felt with all the animals inside the ark during that storm. Like I said, this is not our what we think like a happy children's story. This was a very terrifying event. For 40 days and 40 nights, it was raining. They could hear the wind whistling, the rain pouring down. The gigantic waves hitting the ship, carried away objects along its way, even corpses. The fear that surrounds them, thinking that they too might die. And worse, could you imagine the horror of hearing your relatives and loved ones screaming, screaming outside of the ark voices and just yelling let us in help us noah i'm your mother i'm your cousin i'm your sister let us in everything and everyone they knew outside died noah's family was during this time probably weeping. You may be asking yourself right now, why did God do this? Is God fair by doing this? Why didn't God, why didn't the Lord extend grace to these people outside? You could imagine this horror. It's just a lot of screaming, help, help. And you know what's even more terrifying, when they don't get to hear the screams anymore, was God unfair? Let's look at the context. If God really was unfair, the moment that Adam ate the forbidden fruit, he should have died. He should have died, but he get yet he get to lives another. 930 years. That's in Genesis chapter 5. The moment that Cain murdered his brother Abel, God could have marked him for dead. Instead, he have marked, He gave him a mark of grace so that he would persevere and live. When Lamech committed polygamy and violence and was even proud of it, God should have struck him dead. Instead, allowed him to enjoy the advancement of civilization in Genesis chapter 4. When Noah preached a sermon of righteousness for 120 years and pointed them to the only means that they can be saved through this wooden ark, they have rejected. They have rejected the warning. They have rejected the provision. They have rejected the means of grace. And you look, you can look that up in 2 Peter 2 4 tonight. No one responded. I could have imagined that even the moment that, that Noah was seeing the animals. Go up to the ark. He was still preaching a message of judgment. Repent, brothers, repent, friends, repent, neighbors. Come, the judgment is coming. Floods are going to come, rain is going to come. Come, enter the ark. No one responded. Friends, the problem in this story is not a heartless God, but a sin-hardened heart humanity. That is the problem. They have rejected the only means for them to be saved, and God judged them through the flood. This happened during the time people were doing their normal daily routines. Of course we have read some of them are partying working caring for their family going to work the normal things and though they were doing things however they want that's the, another thing that's a problem they would like to do anything the way they want to do it they don't care if there's a god they don't care if there's righteousness we'll do it the way we wanted it as if there was no judgment to come Friends, this is similar to what is happening in our time now. People are doing their normal daily routines however they want. Living as if there is no final judgment to come. Friends, judgment is coming. And this judgment is far greater than... The Noah's and Jesus said it will come it will come on a normal day let's see and listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24 37 to 39 as the days of Noah were so the coming of the son of man will be for in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. It will happen. We call this in Tagalog, Mai Katiyakan. It is certain. He will come, and it will come. It will surprise people. Couples getting married, driving their kids to school, going to to Fujera City Center for groceries. The normal things, it can happen anytime. Noah was preaching for 12 years. About the coming judgment. Sorry, that's 12 decades. <laughs> Thank you. He is saying judgment is coming. Come into the ark, but still ignored it. Friends, is this you? Have you been hearing your family members? Friends, preach to you about the coming judgment and the only hope that you can be saved. Have you been invited here by a loved one? If you have been invited here by a friend, a colleague, or someone you met outside, trust me, they love you enough to invite you here to hear this message of judgment and salvation. Friends, have you been so preoccupied with pursuing temporary joys, pleasures, peace, and abundant life here in Fajera? There is no more time, there, there is more to this life than this life. There is a coming judgment and it's far greater than the judgment flood. In Jesus' first coming, he was the humble servant. When he returns, he will be the dreadful judge to those who rejected him. And if that time comes, just like the time of Noah, it would be too late to knock on the door. Revelation chapter 6, verse 16 to 17. And they said to him, to the, the mountain, and Excuse me. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, because the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Christians, how are you living in light of the coming judgment? How has this truth affected your evangelism? If you know that the Judgment Day is coming tomorrow, do you have a sense of urgency to share the Gospel now? How many people that we meet every day, colleagues, people we commute almost with every day, the salesperson in the grocery store, the man who watches or cleans your cars, they too need to hear the gospel of hope. They need to know that there is a judgment to come. When I was in university, I I was a young Christian, and I was so hesitant to share or tell people that I am a Christian. So until I was finally I finally was invited to a this Christian fellowship that I have attended. And to my surprise, one of the guys who recognized me, uh, probably a classmate in one of those classes, told me, hey, you're Alvin, right? And I said, yes. I didn't know you were a Christian because I was trying to keep it in secret. Or maybe he doesn't see it in my life. Friends, are you trying to be a secret agent Christian? do your colleagues, classmates, flatmates, peers or loved ones know that you're even a Christian? And if they do, and if they do, are they hearing about Christ from you? Are they seeing Christ in your life? Number 2. God remembers his people. Chapter 8, verse 1. God remembered Noah as well as all the wildlife and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. God caused a wind to pass over the earth and the water began to subside. God remembered not because he has forgotten about Noah or he was forgetful. It means that God acted on a prior covenant that he did with Noah and his family. And that is to preserve them. And you see that in Genesis chapter 6, 13 to 18. But even more than that, God was committed to preserving the godly line of Adam, Noah, Abraham, and David. Until the Redeemer comes. Just like what happened in Genesis Just like what was promised in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where he will crush the head of the serpent. Noah and his family waited and waited. Waited quite a long time inside the ark after the storm. I know growing up, I thought after the rain, immediately the water receded and then they're out of the ark. But no, there was a time of waiting after the rains. Noah and his family waited long enough. Have you ever wondered what their living conditions was like inside that ark? If you're a pet owner, I, you get to understand that it is your responsibility of cleaning up after them. I remember having a dog. We have a dog before uh, when we are in the Philippines. She's a Maltese, really cute. Uh, it's like a running mop, mop you know? She's just ah, really loud, really cute. But uh, yeah, my wife says if we want to keep Matilda, you got to clean after her. So it was my responsibility to clean after her. Friends, Noah and his family were locked in. Not just with Matilda, with animals of all kinds for months. Do you see and understand the living conditions? One theologian said it was around 370 days. And just imagine being, lo- being on lockdown with eight sinners. How do you think family dynamics were during that time? I believe we all have an idea of what the challenges of being locked down with family for weeks, especially after 2020. But probably the most difficult challenge they were facing was the problem of uncertainty. Uncertainty. They have no idea how long they will remain in this situation. Because it seems like God was silent. Lord, is this it? Is this the new norm? Floating around with animals? Are we to just float around this ocean world for the rest of our lives with these animals? What if these animals got bored with their vegan diet? The condition of Noah in chapter 8 highlights their waiting and hoping to be released into the world. The repeated words here are, and Noah waited. And Noah waited. And Noah waited This is the reason why Noah repeatedly releases birds out to see if there is dry land. You see that in chapter 8, verses 7 to 11. Release a raven and then doves. They were waiting and waiting and waiting. And they have no idea how things are going to turn out. Could it be that they're starting to get tired of waiting? Could it be that they're starting to lose hope? Could it be that they're starting to doubt God? Friends, does this describe your situation this morning? You have been waiting on and hoping for something you have no idea how things are going to turn out. You have no idea if your circumstances will ever change. Are you still waiting for that job? Maybe you've been here for months and still waiting for that job from the employer's response. Or maybe it's that raise that you've been praying for or that promotion. And it seems like, They're not giving it. They're not giving you the attention. They're not seeing your efforts. Or maybe waiting for the Lord to provide you or a loved one relief from chronic pain. Waiting and hoping that relationships would reconcile and heal. Waiting for that special someone. Or that baby that you longed for. Are you waiting on someone to notice you, appreciate you, reward you, accept you, love you back? And you feel that you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for so long and no results. You serve faithfully in the ministry, you give your life in sharing the gospel being intentional in every way and waiting and waiting for results and it seems nothing and you feel and it seems that god is not answering we're starting to lose probably hope we end up having this discouraged of souls and even starting to doubt god did you really call me here Friends, God's silence doesn't mean his absence. There are times God places us in the waiting room of life. Because in the waiting, all of our strengths, all of our wisdom and resources and network are useless. And we come to an understanding that we are not the ones in control of our lives and these circumstances. But God. He is the one in control. He is the one who will supply that sufficient grace and strength that we needed. We may not know the main reason why the Lord wants us to wait. But we do know that He is sovereign and good. And we can trust Him. We can trust His Word. So friends, be informed. Saturate yourselves with God's Word, with God's promises. In times of difficulty and discouragement of soul, every preacher would tell you this. The best way to go for a discouraged soul is this prayer and Bible reading. That's it. These are the means of grace that God uses and God's people through the church. Psalm 130, verse 5 to 6, I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in His word. I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen for the morning. Friends, take heart. God has not forgotten about us or you. Noah trusted God's word, and so he was faithful and obedient and even in waiting. And I believe because of Noah's Trust in the Lord, even though God doesn't answer his prayer, he will continue to wait. He will continue to trust the Lord because he knows that he is sovereign and in control. So in our waiting, let us wait in humble reliance towards him and continue doing the good work. Psalm 121 verse 1 to 2. I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker Of heaven and earth. God will act in accordance with his time and his way. And God did. Look at verse 14. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was dry. Then God spoke to Noah, Come out of the ark, you, your wife, your sons, your sons' wives with you. Verse 18. So Noah, along with his sons, his wives, and his sons' wives, came out. All the animals all the creatures that crawl and all the flying creatures everything that moves on the earth came out of the ark of their families. God doesn't did not forget Noah. Neither he will be forgetting his people. Wait and hope in the Lord. And even though the Lord even though the Lord doesn't give answer our prayers continue trusting him. Continue worshiping he is good. Number three and last, God reassures his covenant. Verses 20 to 21. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. He took some of every kind of clean animal and every kind of clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, he said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of human beings, even though the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward. And I will never again strike down every living thing as I have done. The first thing that uh, Noah did when he came out from the ark uh, of the boat was to make an altar. He took some of the clean animals that the Lord instructed him to bring in the ark. And he slaughtered it and offered it to the Lord. He spent the whole day pondering that he deserved judgment. Yet he received mercy. He was worshiping the Lord. The first thing he does is worship the Lord. His first priority as he enters the new world is to worship God. Christians, is this our highest priority in life? To worship God by devoting our time and talents and treasures to God. And for kingdom purposes, are we using everything that the Lord has provided us to worship Him? Just like what you are doing this morning. Worshiping God corporately. Taking time to commute, to get here, to worship God with brothers and sisters. I always remind our members, uh, Hebrews 10, uh, 24 and 25, to well, not neglect the gathering uh, I always remind them, brothers and sisters, you come to church not looking for, not, not looking or waiting to be served. We come to church looking for someone to serve. This is our act of service for God's people and a means to glory, way to glorify Him. Taking time to sing God's word, confessing sin towards one another, giving out our offering, hearing God's word preach. And apply it, this is but worship. But also worship is not just confined in the four walls of this building. Worship is a lifestyle. It is something that we should be doing and practicing and living every day of our lives. Christians worship God not for ourselves. When we worship Him, we want more of Him. Not more of what we can get from Him. But friends, the Bible says only true worshipers can worship God. This means not all who attend church are truly people of God. If this is true, then we are, able or we are unable to worship God and in a way that pleases Him. You see, in the flood narrative, in the flood story, we're not Noah. We're not the good guys. We're not Noah who built the ark and preached a sermon of righteousness. We are the people who mocked Noah and refused to enter the ark and rejected the message. We are not Noah who is in the ark. We are the ones who are outside the ark, facing God's judgment and death. As a matter of fact, Noah is not the hero of this story. Noah and his family are just like the people outside the ark. Sinners deserve death and judgment. People who worship not God, but people who worship themselves. God is the real hero of this story. God granted mercy and grace to Noah and his family. Just as He sent a huge wooden boat to save Noah and his family, He also sent His Son on a wooden cross to die for our sins. This Jesus lived a perfect life that none of us could, and He died on the cross that we deserved. He was buried, and on the third day has risen from the grave. And those who repent from their sins, those who repent from their sins of self-worship and trust Christ's finished work on the cross for salvation will be forgiven, will be saved, will be reconciled to God the Father, will be part of God's family. So brother, my friends, repent and believe in Christ. In chapter 9 verses 11 to 13, God promises to never destroy the world through flood. But there like we mentioned there is a much greater destruction that will occur, the judgment that will occur. The judgment flood spared no one outside the ark. Everyone was killed, were killed. Similarly, for those who are outside Christ, the greater judgment will spare no one. It will only kill the body, not just the body, but both body and soul in hell. During the great flood, we see God unleashing His holy wrath against sinners. But at the same time, we also see God's mercy, great mercy displayed towards undeserving people like Noah and his family. The cross of Christ is where God's judgment According to one pastor the cross of Christ is where God's judgment and mercy meet on the cross we see God's holiness on display as he judges sinners but also on the cross we see God's mercy as Jesus that ju- the just sentence in our place Jesus experienced all wrath and no mercy so that we would receive all mercy and no wrath from God Jesus served the complete sentence of God's judgment that we deserved. just like those who come to the ark are saved from the judgment flood those who come to Jesus by repenting and believing in him shall be saved God promised in verses, chapter 9, verses 1 to 13, God promises never to destroy the world through flood anymore. And He gave a bow or a sign, a rainbow. The rainbow in chapter 9, verse 13, literally means war bow. Uh, you know, the one that is used for, for war, to kill. It's a war bow, an arrow, bow and arrow. What God is saying to them is this. I laid up my war bow... My weapon, and there will be no more condemnation, no more flood. And this is according to Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon says, If the bow is pointed downwards on you, you are always a bit scared because at any point the arrow could come down on us. But a bow pointed upward, the arrows are aimed up god has not stopped being a god of wrath and judgment but he is aiming his wrath on judgment on someone else where they where are they going on christ and quote charles virgin so god because of christ he poured his judgment on him on our place thus we know and understand the great exchange Friends, we deserve nothing but God's undiluted wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy, sends his son and saved us. Verse 20 of chapter 9. We see Noah started farming and produce produce a vine and made it into a wine that he drank. And then he got drunk. What happened? Noah was doing... Well, this is the first drunk in the Bible. Okay? What happened? Noah was doing so well, while he was floating on the ark. Could it be he has forgotten? In the storm, he he was faithful, but in the vineyard, he became a fool. Why? Because of sin. In the vineyard, he relaxed. He spiritually relaxed. Friends, be careful with prosperity. When things are okay, we tend to spiritually relax. And sooner or later, we worship the prosperity and not God. We worship the means instead of the means giver. Noah became the first drunk regarded in Scripture, which led to immoral behavior that caused problems in the family. In verses 22 to 23, his son Ham finds him naked and made a spectacle of him and even called his brothers Shem and Japheth to look at him. Of course the brothers did not enjoy the news and covered their father's nakedness. Noah blessed his son and then cursed Ham. Christians let us not rejoice. Let us not rejoice. And, and this is personal. It's, we meditate on serve, as I meditate and serve members. When brothers and sisters and fall into sin, we should not laugh, we should not rejoice, we should mourn if they fall into sin. We should remind them of the good news of Jesus Christ. Bible it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Sometimes we're tempted to do it the other way around. We rejoice those who are mourning and we mourn those we mourn when somebody's rejoicing. When a brother or sister fall, be quick, to, be slow to judge and quick to love. Be quick to pull them. Be quick to love them. Be quick to remind them. Yes, but walk with them because the sin is should not be enjoyed it leads to death and so we have seen in this passage god's judgment god's wrath god's mercy for those who believes in him god's wrath is against all sinners but he remembers and acts on behalf of his people let's pray